We'd like to welcome everybody back inside the Holman Studios in the Southwest Chicagoland area where the Hamlin Avenue boys record, but also where other people record. This is a rather vibrant studio. And today, Edward Hamlin, your host, is pleased to welcome a very intriguing person, Miss Susan Cornett. Susan, welcome. How are Hello, you? everybody. Thank you for taking time to come into the studio today. Thanks for calling. Every now and then, we want to change it up a little bit and just get a little more interesting. So I've got a question for you. If you woke up tomorrow, and I understand you celebrated your birthday last night, so I'm sure you celebrated it. Did my team get a list of these questions before and they approved? They did. They approved them all. So okay. if you woke up tomorrow morning with a slight hangover, not quite bad, but you knew you had partied the night before, and you did, but you woke up and you immediately didn't know where you were. Nothing was familiar. So you literally were in a desert-like condition. Do you have any sense of how you would try to move through survival mode from the moment of awakening? I know it's difficult to really say because you're not doing it for real. As you know, athletes even imagine races and their body reacts a little bit. So if you woke up in that situation, can you just even postulate, think, imagine what you might do what my thought process would be yeah and, and the only thing is you have your clothes on but you have no purse no phone well i think naturally i would just start to name see things to see if i recognized anything plants rocks you were asleep is that in, a, you is were that asleep asphalt? in the desert is that a wall i think naturally your body starts to just cope to see what you recognize or what's familiar in any concept to you. So that would probably help me be aware of what is surrounding me to know maybe, okay, and I was just on a bunch of rocks and no water. Maybe I would recognize, okay, there's no water. Okay, going down the, I know, but going down like the checklist of things. I think that's how my natural brain would work. Every now and then I wake up <coughs> in my own house and I'm kind of like, where the fuck am I? And then, you know, you start to be like, okay, dresser, door there, I'm home. Okay. I can see, but don't you think you left out all of the panic thinking that would go on in that situation? It would be a panic thought process of those things. At lightning genius speed. Yeah, what do they call that? I mean, it's not genius. In instinct, instinctual thoughts, okay. I think would come over me. You would be responding in panther mode. Yeah, but in full anxiety, but keep it together, little whisper. Kind of like my a mind. day at work. <laughs> <laughs> I actually feel like I have I have a gift for that, actually. I'm, I'm going to call that because I think... Can you repeat what it is, the gift again? Yeah, a gift for calming myself down okay. in a very panicked situation. And what's your recipe again? I think I just walked you through it. It's kind of like you start to recognize what the situation is, even though you're like, holy fuck, oh my God. In your mind, you're yeah. kind of like, okay, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Let's deal with what you can control and that is by Ooh, identifying things excellent i love that without realizing it you've inspired an additional question but i think it's somewhat natural i'm going to narrow it down just a little bit you were asleep in the desert and you awakened to the warmth or the heat of the sun that's what woke you up a little hungover so yes there's this slow rise to awareness that would start to yeah maybe even a thought process would be like okay how, probably the first thought is, how did I get here? Okay, let's. what can I remember? Whether that was the day before sitting at a bar with a stranger and then all of a sudden I'm waking up in the desert. In Madagascar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I was, it's like the hangover movie. You wake up and you start to assess what you can remember and backtrack or figure like out how to it. get out. 
depending on where you are. And take pictures along the way so you can show it at the end of the movie. If you have, if you're fortunate enough to have your phone. Yeah, and keep right because I said you woke up asleep in the desert Clothed. with your clothes, but no purse, no yeah. phone, no hat. That could be a problem as you're trying to get through your day in the desert. That on my list, that's I feel like priority. is <laughs> that's yeah. not one of the first things. I think the only time when that thought would ar arise in my brain would be, oh, it's hot. Oh, I'm starting to sweat. Where's shade? Is there no shade? Fuck, I wish I was wearing a hat. Yeah. That's probably how that thought okay. process would That's go. probably true. When you need it is when it's too late. Yeah. Or you're planning ahead saying like, okay, don't feel thirsty now, but I will be thirsty. Where do I so need to go? So that's part of the little work job here. Look for water. Yeah. All while in my mind, I'm freaking the fuck out. Gotcha. That's almost like a superpower. That is my superpower. I like it. the conversation over it to be comical of the things that he was doing you know he goes over there to pick up this bowl so you write a script that gets plugged in near the lips totally and yeah. just the things he says and the things that go on is just very interesting and you don't even need the sound like what is he even like the mental thoughts of him even would be a funny like script to to write what if he's thinking about like he said some funny things to me about his cable. It's not an electrical, it's a cable bill. So like he's thinking, man, I, I gotta like watch that game watch at three o'clock tomorrow. Like That's I can't right. miss it. So I wanna make sure I make an announcement that no one fucks with my cable, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then he, he, I like that. he did this subtle thing, you know, of maybe thinking in his mind like, oh man, shouldn't have had those tacos for lunch ah. as he's walking around to go get the communion bowl. Or what is he thinking about, you know? I like it. That was what I was thinking about while the production was at play. I like that. That's interesting that you had and created all of that while you were in it. Not yeah. like a week later as you pondered it, but while you were in it, live, real time. It's all the things that go on in your mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think they sang something like that in there, didn't they? Or they said that. I didn't today. know any of the songs they were saying. Well, oh my either. gosh, yeah. It's been a minute since I've been to a full Catholic mass. I'll call it. Experience. The things that are said and memorized is incredible. You you knew some of them. You were saying some of them. Yeah, I know some of them, but there's... The beginning of it is like, that was like a full page of memorized yeah, shit see, right fuck there. That. Fuck yeah. that. Yeah. Now, mean, there is places you could go and just get it. You don't have to memorize it, but people do after a while. And oh, my yeah, thought is when you go true, through rote material like that... Well, when you go through rote material like that, Where's the meaning in it anymore? You know what I mean? It's just trying to get through it. 
a lot of people are there to get the check in the box in their file. That's why they're there. Going through the motions. They are, and it's just such a waste of the time. Although, like you did, when you go, you got something out of it. You actually brought it back to use here a little while ago. I did too, I liked it. It was neat sitting up front. So you grew up in the Catholic school, Catholic system, correct? Correct. So did you ever like go to, I'm gonna call it a ceremony because it really felt like a ceremony, honestly, all the ritual things that were going on felt to me as someone who didn't really grow up in an environment like that. Felt very ceremony, so I'll call it the ceremony. It just kind of But during the ceremony, I'm thinking about all these things that he's saying and making my own opinion about the things that he's saying, like I just did. Like, he was saying something about his capable, and I am like, this fucker doesn't want to not watch football tomorrow. That's right. So are you ever thinking or questioning about the things that go on in a ceremony like that, even though you grew up in it? Oh, you might think about it differently now. Well, yes, and yes. Do you go to those things now and think differently about them and like kind of more question or analyze what your own perspective is on what they're saying? Yeah, I think so. I think I've always kind of done that. That's where a lot of my humor was born out of a lot of those experiences. On many levels, appreciating the spiritualness of some of the things that you do, but also appreciating the humor of some of the absurdity of it. You used to face forward and it was all in Latin and nobody knew what anybody was saying. But that was the original Roman language because Rome was running the world at that time. Yeah. So Latin was kind of the thing. I don't know where I was going with that. but it's, it is, it's so interesting just out of a perspective of not knowing much about it. I think over the last few years is when I've made my, you know, <laughs> outward expression of what I think I believe in and what I definitely don't and what I think is just... Yeah, but that comes from experience. You've lived and you've been around. And so I think a lot of that gets adjusted along the way somewhat naturally. And that's good. That's a good thing. Yeah. Just seems so silly. The whole idea of it is silly. People coming, you know, at four o'clock on a Saturday to do the whole thing, the whole Shabbat. That's because it's a requirement. It's it's a day of obligation. It's that's the actual term, and that's been around for you know fifteen hundred years. So then I'm also thinking at this ceremony, the lady who was singing, you were <laughs> complimenting. She was a nice. I singer. thought she was a nice singer. Yeah, she, yeah, whatever. I was wondering, you know, what is she sings full choir solo at the church? What does she do when she goes home? Like, what kind of person is she? Right. That she got into that, you know, or. Wow. Does she go home to a college son who's still living at home? You know, you kind of think of that, their whole story. And she then, could be in porn, too. Yeah, or she could be fucking the pastor. Who knows? That's why she won the solo artist. There's that. Casting couch. <laughs> yeah. That's just so funny of me to think about that stuff. We talked about it in the car a little, too. The couple who got in their car, and I was like, wonder where they're going. And then <laughs> Hank goes... They're going to the grocery store. You know, what are they doing? I sometimes wonder if other people think of those things or do I just think Larry David does. I guess so. That's true. So you're in good company. Yeah. If you started writing that down, we'd be doing a TV sitcom just like Jerry and George did. You should start taking (laughs) note of those kinds of things. Of what things? Ideas that come like that. So for example, that would be a good scene in a sitcom or a movie or a Saturday Night Live skit where you have a priest going through the motions of a mass, but you 
or hearing what he is thinking. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even have to be rude or mean, but it's just he's thinking pretty bizarre thoughts for a priest, you know. Yeah, going through the motions of the ceremony that That's he's right. doing right before he's going to go holding have a up taco the bread dinner. and yeah, and watch his tunes. That would be funny. That would, that be, would cool. be funny. Yeah, it would be cool. I also thought of using a similar biblical time frame. There's lots of saints in Catholicism. These Is are that who we all prayed to and asked for forgiveness from all of them. Well, no, no, they're, but they're, they have different jobs. St. Christopher rides with you in the car. Uh, he's a traveling saint. You, you pray to him for safety on your journey. If you lose your necklace, say a little prayer to St. Anthony. That's his job. So I envisioned Jesus having to take care of all this, or one of the three triad, you know, God, the Father, Jesus, and the ghost, the, the dove. Were you about to talk about all those saints being Jesus's little oh, bitch yeah. boys? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, w- I would like to recreate like with Saturday Night Live cast, that meeting where Jesus kind of calls them together, kind of like the Last Anthony, Supper. Anthony, fucking get it together. No, I need somebody to get in charge of travel. I have no time for this. Yeah, but delegating. All, he's and, delegating. Yeah, he's delegating. And, uh, you know, it took place, let's call it in Jerusalem. But you change the name a little bit to come out like Brooklyn. And they have Brooklyn, New York accents from today. (laughs) That's what this throws this curveball at. They're all talking like those guys from New York, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, when they're getting all upset about what's going to happen when they have to take over these jobs and Jesus could just be saying, look, forget about it, you know? Don't worry about it. You just do it. You'll know. Yeah, that's funny. I need somebody in charge of real estate. Uh, I want to make statues and have people buy them and bury them upside down, facing away, and that's going to help real estate sales, so I need somebody in charge of that, too. Susan, I'm going to give you a gift, as if I'm God, and tell you that you can make up one simple rule for the world. You can't have Ten Commandments. You're a God, goddess. And you're going to make one simple rule for the world. And there can be qualifiers with it, I guess, because you are God. But basically, what's your one simple rule for the world? What would it be? Mm. I'm going to keep this pause in because this is, I like this. That says a goddess is thoughtful. Well, I reserve the right to change my mind, but right now only one word comes to mind. What? Kindness. I like that. Yeah, if you're living kindness, you're living love. Mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> I mean, but how do you measure kindness? That's a whole other story. That's what the lawyers are for. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the lawyers are for. I love that. about everybody in the world 
you think pretty much it's consistent across humanity that people are impacted by the death of famous people. Impacted in the sense of going, you know, oh, you know, or oh, yeah, glad, or whatever. That, that in some respects, famous people, their death, whether it's politics or entertainment or sports or whatever, affects people, some more than others. Uh, I'm going to give you Elvis, for example. That really affected the world, his passing, because of his impact. Mm-hmm. When I talk about that, does anything come to Susan's mind that has affected you thus far in your life as far as famous people who've passed? Not really. I feel like a lot of people are impacted by losing public figures in general just because the idea of death is scary in itself. Okay, that's true. And it's just presenting it, so... And it's presenting it loud and on a platform that's public. Yeah. For everyone to have eyes and opinions on. Yeah. I would think it would be less sad to lose somebody you didn't know. I mean, it is impactful, but just on different measurements. Thinking back now to the memory of some famous passings, and maybe you can't think of anybody. Yeah. And I'm totally cool with that. I'm just asking the question. You took note at the time it occurred, most likely, or when it was first brought to your attention. And you're like, oh, you know. So in a way, it touched you at some yeah, point. Yeah, it might even have been a conversation starting. Ah, oh, did you hear about yeah. this? Yeah, today? yeah. Mm, the queen. Yeah. yeah. question if jeff bezos called you up and said edward you got a free ticket to space in three weeks if you want it to go up and go down would you do it i don't think i would personally it's not something i would just go ooh, ooh uh, i never wanted to be a space guy however i do appreciate it I would hope I could say, would you allow me to donate it to raffle money off for a charity or something in my name as wanting to do that, to say that you offered it to me and I chose to do this with it, would he let me do that? Or let me do whatever I want with it if it's not me. Is the gift just if I go? Yeah. That doesn't really interest me that much to go, oh, ooh, ooh. you know, and if I had a billion dollars of my own, I wouldn't buy that ticket because I am I have too many other things that seem more fun to me than that. Yeah. But again, with all due respects, nods and tips to anybody that's ever either been involved in sending people to space or going. I love that. I think I would I definitely do it. You would? Well, good. That's good. Just to have the experience of something out of this world. Uh, I'm going to title this segment Out of This World. (laughs) 
of your childhood that you're just like, ooh, that was a naughty Edward. How much time do you have? Yeah. I'm just thinking, what's the first one that pops to mind? I'm sure there's many. I okay, do know, I'll tell wait, you what. I'll I give do, you one. I do know, you know, a few, but try to tell me one I don't know. Okay, well, the house that's over on Hamlin, which has my same, my family name is the name of the street, Hamlin. There's a great two-story house on the corner at 10500. It's a wood frame house, or it was. It might be other products now. I took a high-powered grease gun my dad used for the car, and I took, because you could shoot about 40 feet with it, and I stood back and drew pictures. What did you shoot? Oil and grease. Oh, shit. Yeah. My dad had just had the house painted. That helped, actually, because otherwise it would have soaked into the wood. But he had to call somebody out to try to get it all off. You just started painting I a just started Picasso? Did you know cool. it was going on the house? Or it, you like you intentionally did that or was it an accident? I didn't do it because I wanted to be an an evil Dennis the Menace. It just was like a nutty, I, I checked out of my brain. I mean, that's the truth. Do you think your dad would remember that story? He probably would, but you know, as much as I remind him of, of times, most often there's certainly way more good than not so good. Did you get punished for that? I should have and probably did, but I don't remember right now. in general they just gave it that name and it's kind of stuck but if you do anything going back in time aren't you automatically changing things as it goes forward whether it's with your family or not directly just for example let's say you go back 50 years and you rob a bank and then you come back into this time with some money now if the money is no longer in circulation that could be problematic as you unload it but there's this paradox of, does it change anything in the time that you live or left paradoxically? It would seem it has to. Yeah. So if you leave a time to go to another time to change something, what happens during that other time? Yeah. So like that time, I guess, would just pause in your mind anyway, but who knows? So when you went back, it would be as if you hadn't left. I'm thinking it continues to elapse in the same increments. If you're gone for an hour, time has elapsed an hour. So then you're just a missing person. That's correct. But might not be long enough to be problematic, you know. Oh, yeah. Unless you get stuck where you go. Now, so this is where I'm going with this question. First of all, paradoxically, it's interesting because it would seem to be that it 
you could literally remove yourself from existence if you took certain steps. Not that you would, but it's just mm -hmm. what would really happen. Or what if you have an accident, get hit by a car when you're back 50 years? Does that mean you just never show up again in this world? It's like you only get seven lives. Oh, you lost one. Okay, well, maybe that's another part of the paradox. Yeah, that would be crazy. Would you travel back in time to a specific decade? Boy, I don't know. There's some idea of why it could be interesting to go back really far. But if you do that, you run the risk of seemingly to being so weird just in your presence. Have you ever seen the show The Outlander? No. It's about a lady, I think. she's in. It's in the 1950s, just after the war. She's in Ireland or something. And I think she ends up finding these stones that historically like have been used for years and years and years. Kind of like witchy type of ladies back in that time was like not allowed. Maybe. But made this kind of time travel area where if you knew what to do with these stones, it could take you back in time. You're not really sure what time. And sometimes you can control the time. But when you leave, you're like a missing person in that world until you come back. And when you leave, you're right, you know all the things you know now, but back when penicillin wasn't, you know, developed yet. And so, but you know about that and having to fit in with that world. So it's a story about that girl's life. It's pretty interesting, I watched it all. So if you go that far back or further, you run the risk as I'm sure she did in that like sequence. Like medieval times or something. Yeah, where she seems almost unearthly and therefore we need to keep an eye on her you know yeah and in the series she almost died in that series because of that i think it was the medieval times or really early medieval times when she went sent was sent back spoiler alert if anybody's curious whenever she does that because she knows so much in that time frame she was viewed as like a witch and witches were killed back then and so she had to kind of hide knowing what medicine to do and what plants to use to heal you know that use some sort of antibiotic type of thing to also in some capacity change the future because right. she was healing people who were in war maybe they would have died if it wasn't for her future generations are going to now exist because those soldiers didn't die ultimately she went she found her way back she thought she was stuck there she found her way back and didn't really like her life there and decided to go back in time and live back in time and stay there yeah well, she got to a place probably where she had a good career going as a medieval witch or whatever she was going to be. Yeah, I think she was a healer. Yeah, is what she was called. Good show. It's called The Outlander. What's good, everybody? This is the mag poly cutie with the real fat booty Miss April Universe. Welcome to Euphoria Airlines Flight 420 from the 414 to the 312. Our in-flight soundtrack is The Feel Good Tape by Emmett James. The duration of the flight will be about like an hour or some shit. So make sure you fasten your seatbelts, light up your splits, and thanks for choosing Euphoria Airlines. Died. Did anything unusual or outrageous or crazy ever happen like that, you mean? Yeah, when you were flying. I don't think so. Now, let me back up and say, 
But this is an inverted version of that. People at the time that we were flying, it was not unlike Catch Me If You Can. Do you remember in that yeah. late 60s, early 70s? It was all very, everyone dressed nice. It was very fancy. You were a fucking movie star if you were doing that job. And you were treated like one with limos and best hotels. At the same time on airplanes, people would give you things like really expensive cigarette lighters because everybody could smoke on the plane, you know. Or people, you'd see people back and you could tell they were having fun with like cocaine or something. And I remember one time seeing a guy and his girlfriend in the very last row of coach right near the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And I said, you guys are partying good, aren't you? And he's, he's going, yeah. <laughs> I go, and he said, you want to do something? And I went, sure. <gasps> so he hands me his bottle with a couple grams in it, and I took it in the bathroom. I did a couple big scoops, and then I took half of it and put it in a napkin and put it in my pocket. Nice. And I brought out only a little bit left in the bottle. I did leave him some. And he goes, hey, what happened? I go, it was really good, thank you. And he was looking at me like, you did all that? Oh my God, you're Superman. Wow. And then I just walked off. Because it's not like he could tell on you. Exactly. Well, I guess he could. He could say, hey, that flight attendant has something. The Bahamas and also out of South America, sometimes we do announce, you know, if you have any illegal narcotics, leave them in the seat pocket and they'll just be collected. You don't want to try to take them through customs. And then people would leave stuff behind so they get through to go to customs. Oh, wow. And we just go check all the pockets. You'll party. Because we didn't go through security. So we could pick up free stuff that way, you know. Wow, it had to be a cool flight crew for you to make that announcement. One time I had a really good-sized little rock of coke I'd gotten in the Bahamas. And I didn't want to carry it. And I decided to tape it and leave it in a bathroom on a certain airplane and just write the tail number down of the airplane. And then it was weeks later that I finally caught up with that plane and went in there and there it was. Oh, wow. How did you hide that from like an inspection crew? Was there not They wouldn't really... look under it. Unless the sink gets broken, there's nobody going to mess with it under there. They're not looking for anything. You could have never seen that plane again. Possible. But I was, you know, willing to do that. That was fine. And that's also how I would bring it back instead of carrying it. Even though I didn't go through security, just put it in the bathroom and put it under the sink and then pick it up down the road. Assuming that other flight attendants were also doing that because then someone could take it. And if they do, and if that, What are you going to do? Go tell somebody? Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to report a theft. What would strike the occasion where the flight crew would just lift up their skirts and show their underwears for a photo? I remember seeing some of those from you one time. That, those were taken by the guy that came to visit us, uh, the photographer. Oh, uh, really? Because when he was flying, he would get people to do crazy stuff. He'd be like, flash us. Yeah, or he would get in an aisle between letting people off before the new people came on, and he would take a, a, an unusual picture. He's got other ones. I have, I'm sure I haven't seen them all as far as from flying days of doing crazy stuff, you know. Was that a job that you just like woke up and you were like, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like you weren't like, uh, I have to go to... Sometimes. Now, all jobs will have those moments when I don't really want to go to work today. As nice as that was, I think I'm going to call in sick today. I, I don't think I... I called in sick because I was really sick rarely. I called in sick regularly just to get time off. Yeah. 
could you ever call in sick halfway through, like you're on, on a layover? If you were really sick. If you did it helpfully, you would try to do it to not cause a big delay in an airplane. So, for example, they need so many to fly it. Well, some people have to be on call, right? Yes, or but they're not really in every big. city. So where are you? I mean, do oh. you have somebody? Do they have to fly somebody mm -hmm. up to take your spot? Or oh, does somebody live there because it's a base? So all of that would take into account if you wanted to be nice. Unless you really got sick, no matter where you are, you should say something, absolutely. But if you just wanted to kind of like, make it nice for them so it's an easy transition and you know nobody makes a big deal out of it. Did you ever do that one time and call out for something really worth it or? I never did, no. I, I never needed to be replaced or even wanted to be replaced while I was traveling. Now, if I came back through my base, I might've had a couple times when I alerted them hours earlier Listen, we're passing through, I'm supposed to go on, I can't. I'm not well, but I'm okay, I can get through this last part. I'll get back, have, because there they can get somebody, you know, mm -hmm. have somebody take me off, and so they did. But that's working together, you know, to collaborate to do that, and, and they're fine with that if that's what the deal is. I mean, nowadays there's so many flight agents that they make them kind of camp out at the airport on standby, and sometimes well, don't we ever had have that to too. Fly. We had that too, sometimes, the new ones, they would even say, you know, well, we think we got you on a flight. Come on out here and we'll get you on something. Don't worry, you know. Because <laughs> something happens, you know. Were you compensated by the miles you flew or was it by the hours? hours? By the hours that the engines were running. So they had what they call the block time, which was the blocks that went around the wheel. The minute those were taken away, you were getting paid. So boarding and... Yeah, that was not, that was not direct pay. From the minute the blocks are pulled away and, and the plane is being pushed back or powering back. Wow. Until you hit those blocks again, you're getting paid. So if you have to sit out for three hours to wait for a takeoff, you're getting paid. But if you're stuck at the gate, delayed, 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 you're just waiting at the airport, not yeah, getting paid. That's right. However, because of unions, there are some catch guards. If you have to wait too long at the gate, it might put you over the required number of activity hours before you are required to take hours off for sleep. Mm. And so that could throw things off. And so if they run into something like that, that flight could cancel. That's crazy. But uh, just a point of clarity on that. So as a result of when we flew, the time frame was like the absolute best time to fly because of all the things that I've shared, you were pretty decently paid and you were really taken care of on the road as far as lodging and transportation and all the places you went were really accommodating because you worked for an airline that was considered a very special position so we are real grateful for having flown during that period what do you think happened like what happened to the industry to make it well like i think just life and the now. evolution of business terrorism has gotten more pronounced. Companies are trying to squeeze more out of the people that are making the companies work. The people that started years after we were there, they didn't know any different. And it could still be really good for many, many people. And I'm sure there's people that do the job today and said, you know, despite all the craziness, I, I do like this job. Ultimately, it's a waitress in the sky, but it just it's more glamorized because of the experiences that you get with Maybe, it. 
I mean, as a waitress, I'm pretty, I don't, I don't exactly remember this, but I think you kind of have to be somewhat knowledgeable of CPR. So you guys obviously do way more training than that. It was six weeks of everything from learning how to walk, how to stand. I mean, this was like finishing school. How to serve food, how to prepare it, what these wines are served for and when, all while you're knowing how to get the life raft out and get people out if something happens and you're able to do that, you know. Put the mask over yourself first and then assist See, the you've been paying attention. You. That's very good. I feel like a lot of us have sat and listened to that speech long enough, just about as long as I'm sure some people have gone to church on Sundays and yeah. actually start to pick up the words of the saying exactly. that's constantly preached. Exactly. You would have loved it and you would love it and you would be perfect in that environment. know something yes i'm listening you have how many kids do you have edward three and you have a daughter right yeah what do you remember about the day your daughter was born walk me through the morning of how that day happened you know it's a good thing to do now because we celebrated her birthday recently we kind of have been in and around that quadrant of thinking so my recall for this will be a little fresher than maybe at some other times. That particular morning when her mom said, I think it's time to go and head towards What the, time was that at? Pardon me? What time was that at? As far as like remembering, I didn't log in clock times along the way. So I'm kind of giving you the surfing. We're skipping stones. Like did you have breakfast that day at home? What home I were don't you think in? so because uh, we were living in Flower Mound, Texas. And you already had two kids roaming that's right. around. That's right. We knew it was going to be a girl, too, so we were very excited. Did you know for days ahead of time that it was probably going to happen that day, or was it like a, oh, anytime. it's happening? For like about a week, we knew it could be any time. It was in the morning. We spent the day walking at the mall. The morning of? At yeah, the mall. because that helped, that helped her mother move in the ways that were helpful to the process. Mm. And there was a mall right near the birthing center where we had our daughter. What was that mall called? Arlington Mall. I thought she was born in Grand Prairie. She was. The border is kind of squiggly. Oh, I see. So the birthing center for the portal from the other world was in Grand Prairie. Mm. Where the first name says it all. 
We had already been to the birthing center. It was decided we needed to go walk, so we decided that. We didn't plan it in advance. Oh, I see. It was like, let's go do that. I think that would help the process. Did it? Did you leave the mall and go straight to the center, or were you able to go? We went to the center first. Yeah. We had a room already staked out. Mm-hmm. Then we left there and went to the Because they said it mall. wasn't time yet. No, we said... We're going to go walk at the mall for a while. And the midwife said, that'd be great. That's a good idea. Hmm. Just, you know, it's only a couple miles down the road. Do that until you feel like you're ready to come back and we'll, we'll resume. Oh, I see. That's how it was. It was a very wonderful, sweet process. Really nice. So you're not just in the room, in the room, in the room for hours and hours and hours? You can be, and we have been, but not in a, a time. You forget all about time. You're not looking at clocks. You're just well, you guys have been, you had at this moment in time had done it twice before. That's so you true, but it's still like the first time. How and much time you had? It still looks like a murder scene when it's all done. You just kind of get over it. Were you able to take her home the same night? Oh my God, yes! In fact, as soon as uh, she had each one of our children, she took them into the bath and took a bath at home. No, at the place they had a really beautiful tub environment, and she would take candlelit baths, candles everywhere, and do that. Maybe she took a shower, and then she would say after a while, "She, I think I'm ready to go home." And then we'd just load up and go. So you had originally asked Susan about the birth of our daughter, and that's what I was trying to be specific about. Yeah. With each one of our kids, there was different nuances, but they were all really, really great. Was there ever a point in time where it was kind of like, ooh, it's getting dicey? Or like, were you ever felt the need maybe you had to leave the center and go to the hospital with any of those? No, I don't think so, no. The only thing they had an ambulance relationship for was, and they would know because these women were very experienced in the birthing of babies. They would say, if for any reason we reach a point where there's seriously something wrong, a breach we can't resolve, something of that nature, we do use the fire and ambulance, which is about a mile and a half from here. Mm -hmm. And then they will transport you to the hospital. And so you have to sign off on all that. Yeah. As you begin this nine-month relationship with this midwife, who really stays with you the whole time. Did the brothers meet your daughter at the center or at home? At home. we The brothers were taken care of by their grandmother so that we could be free of worrying too much about what was happening. Your mother? No, my wife's mother. She wasn't in the hospital room or in the room? No, but speaking of that, if you'd like to hear a story about her and the other mother being in the room. That was for our first child, and that was interesting. So we had both grandmothers and the great-grandmother in the room. Oh, wow. Yeah, in the room. That's a lot. It was. But what was cool, when things got dicey, and this is to your point in question, we did have a not so much real dicey of going to the hospital, but... (laughs) Somebody passed out? No, my mom and my wife's mom would go out for cigarettes to sit on the back porch of this house. It was like a two-story Victorian house where all these rooms were that you could be birthing babies. The two mothers would go out on the back porch and smoke cigarettes and drink beer because it was nerve-wracking and they had never been on that viewing side of the real reality TV show. The murder scene. Well, they went through it themselves. Yes, but it's different. Back when they were in the hospital, there was a curtain put down here And they were told to lie down and be quiet. It was taken care of like in a barn. They didn't see nothing. This was different. This was the TV version. And they would occasionally sit behind these tall wingback chairs because they didn't really want to see anymore because 
It was just... Why didn't they just leave the room? Well, they did do that, too. Meanwhile, the grand bush of them all, the great-grandmother, had birthed all her kids that way, including one of the ladies. And she sat there and smiled through the whole thing and didn't think nothing of it. You know, thought it was all just fine. Wow. Yeah, so that's the interesting, the view. The moral of the story is everybody sees the same thing, but everybody sees it differently. That is my superpower. I like it.